Hello, Film Files. Thanks for coming back. I'm Jimmy Malone. I'm Stuart Randolph. I'm Ben Snowden. And tonight we're going to hop aboard a spaceship and travel into the past, although I guess it's going to be into the future. We're not talking about Back to the Future Part 1, 2, or 3. We watched the 1986 classic Aliens, and now we get to talk about it. This is Movie Show Theater. In a world where movies are everywhere, these heroes will make sense of some of the world's strongest films. Jimmy, Ben, and Stuart. This is Movie Show Theater. Before we get started, I just wanted to let you know you're listening to Movie Show Theater. We're a movie show on WAZU 90.7. We're here every Tuesday at 9 p.m. And you can find our website at movieshowtheater.com. And you can hear all the episodes that we've done on the air as well as all of the episodes that we've done before we got this gig. So... You can come to our Facebook, Movie Show Theater Facebook. You can go to the WAZU Facebook. And we want to hear your thoughts and your movie suggestions. And if there's something big that we leave out that you should uh, correct us on, we take criticism fairly well. So that being said, let's start talking about Aliens. All right, so this week was uh, my choice, and I chose Aliens. And uh, Good choice. Uh First of all, the, the weather. Can we talk about the weather for a second and how it just puts everybody in a fantastic mood? Yes. All of mankind. I like I like very warm outside. I like the February cold because then I can act like I'm on Hoth and, you know, I, I feel like I'm aiding the Rebel Alliance when I do shovel think, my driveway. You're do you think, really a sick, sick human being. You know do you, that? Do you, no, I'm, I'm, I'm just kidding. It's absolutely horrible when you walk outside and it feels like you're being hit in the face with a giant iceberg. Okay, so uh chose Aliens really because it's one of those uh, – I can think of a list of like maybe ten films that I watched probably when I was too young to be watching it, and it got permanently ingrained in my mind. And, and all of these – you know, the imagery and, and the lines and the, and the character arcs that this movie has – well, they had, it invented so many like stereotypes for characters. Game and, over, man. Game, game, game over. over. So it's just – it's one of my favorite movies. It's one of my favorite directors. James Cameron is a, a chauvinistic uh, – he's a Richard. James Cameron <laughs> is a Richard. But anyway, he's he's made some of my favorite movies, so we yeah. chose Aliens. Absolutely. No, absolutely. This was the first rated R film my dad and I saw together in theaters. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. What, what was your – remember your initial thought? Uh, my initial thought was, this is amazing, because uh, I had seen, you know, when – Alien came out, I was still a little kid, and I was in high school when this came out, and so we went together, but I was still too young to go by myself, too young, air quotes, <clears throat> but, uh, so we went, and we were just wowed by the entire thing. Now, I thought it was, I, you know, the and the scene that we went back to over and over again when we finally were able to rent it was, well, I don't know, what scene do you think? I went back to over and over again. Uh, the scene where it shows her in her underwear? No. Okay. No, not that one. Um, wow. Well, the end was amazing. That's what I'm talking Mama about. Mama Alien? With, yeah. With Mama Alien and... that and, front loader. 
and the and the 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 loader when she gets in and get away from her you and mm. then she just goes toe to toe with the alien yeah, that's in, the, a, in the loader did you see that coming did i see it coming no i had no idea that was i mean well i mean they they telegraphed it at the beginning ish you know when she you know not only did she lose her pilot's license and her class or rating so the only thing she could do was get a uh, job loading uh, ships at the docks mhm so Obviously, somewhere along the line, that's going to come into play. And then when she gets into the the loader and starts moving munitions around for the Marines, then yeah, that was that again telegraphing it just a little bit. She can actually, she's capable. She can do things, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, and then when it came down to the end, where you know, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen it, Mama Alien st- stows away on on the ship that goes back to the larger ship. That was just there was no other way that you I could have seen that end. Yeah, I mean, it was just unbelievable. Yeah, because she would have been toast in like two seconds had she not had that that you know the protection of all that steel around her. So yeah, well, it's it's one of those movies too that you know you you don't have to have an hour long discussion about it. It can be as simple as a fantastic action movie. But I love, I mean, first of all, I'm a lover of, of practical effects and, and anything analog and, and, you know, green screen and animatronics and, you know, Stan Winston. Um, Stan Winston did great Stan job Winston on this. Stan was amazing. This was phenomenal. The Queen just blew me away. Mm-hmm. I but, mean, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, the little touches in this movie, like, you know, the first combat doesn't happen until well after an hour, about an mm-hmm. hour and five minutes. There's it's the like first a, time you ever see the alien, right? I mean, yeah. But the movie is so intensely uh, suspenseful. I mean, up until ten minutes in, and there's these little things like you know they have their uh, tracker that sounds like a metronome that I think helps add to the suspense, and it's very nail biting. And you know they introduce these characters. Who, um, you know, it seems like James Cameron had a passion for trying to instill this human feature with artificial intelligence. With like, you know, Terminator, he did it, mm, and you, mm, you, you, yeah, in yeah, Terminator yeah, yeah, Two, yeah. you really want to f- you fall in love with this Arnold character. Oh yeah, and and then yeah. he dies, and then in this one with Bishop, uh, who saves the day, and of course an alien. You know, so we had originally thought about doing both of these movies, uh, the first Alien. Uh, which was what seventy eight, seventy nine, seventy nine, and then and then this one, which was eighty six. Mm-hmm. So they don't really do this such a, a gap with with movies and movie sequels now. No, but um, it's really yeah. weird how they did that though, because uh, the reason that there was such a stretch was because Cameron was working on Terminator, and in Rare Move, the mm-hmm. studio said, "Yeah, go go do Terminator, and we'll just wait on you to finish this rendering of Aliens." Mm-hmm. Which today that'd be unheard of to be like, yeah, you're dropped. We're finding someone else because we need to get this out in right. two I mean, years. Look at that trust with such a small resume at the time. I mean, Terminator. Oh, you know. that was eighty four. Yeah, he had I mean, what to fall back on. Uh, was it Piranhas two? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, he had exactly. Piranhas two on his. I mean, they must have really, really loved that what he had prepared for Terminator, however little it was, because if your fallback movie is is Piranhas two, you know. Uh, everybody has to start somewhere, mm-hmm. but they took a gigantic leap of faith on that one. Yeah. And it paid off. It paid off very, very well. It certainly paid off. Which version of this did you guys watch? 
Did you just watch the theatrical? The, just the yeah, because there isn't there a special edition that's about uh, 15, 20 minutes longer yeah. mm-hmm. I, I with more watching. scenes. Yeah, there's more I, scenes. There's there's cut scenes with Newt and her family finding the uh, alien spaceship. Oh yeah, and Timmy's bro- are, and Timmy, her brother. Yeah, and there's some cut scenes where you get to actually see the the uh, the colony populated with people. You mm-hmm. know, not just this ghost town, if you will. Um, I mean, there are some other cutscenes when Ripley is first rescued, and uh, you know, with the creepy Burke character. It, it, I mean, it, they're both good. I don't, you know, it was interesting because I didn't realize I was watching the the extended version of it until I, because that was the one I had. So, mm-hmm. but and then my wife and I are both sitting there going, "Oh, this is seems longer than what it was." And lo and behold, this was the extended version. <laughs> she didn't had never seen that before and she was saying, "Oh, I didn't know that this, her family actually were the people to bring the aliens back to the colony." Mm-hmm. You know, Burke was actually the one to send them out there to begin with to look for it, and then lo and behold, they're the ones to bring them back and start the whole cycle over again. So, which they kind of touch on. I love Paul Reiser. I loved him in Beverly Hills Cop. <clears throat> he was good in Beverly Hills. Yeah. Uh, I, I know most people I am, don't I'm suffering from post-traumatic uh, mad about you syndrome. Uh, so. <laughs> that show was great. Oh, God. Well, my only I disappointment of aliens. My only disappointment of aliens. Uh, once again, spoiler alert was that Burke was kind of killed off-screen. He opens a door. There's an mm-hmm. alien there, and it's just assumed he yeah. dies. Yeah, he's such a jerk that you want to see him die at least, you know, in a, in a painful way. It doesn't have to be slow, but you just kind of want to see him get slaughtered by maybe a horde of aliens. But it's just like alien in front of him, flash. Back to him and the yeah. the shot, and then I don't know. He's, I think that you get you get the you get the idea. I think that there have been enough people who have been killed by the alien that your mind can fill in the details that they didn't actually show. Yeah, I mean uh, the, the the other thing that I liked about this was this is the first time you actually saw the aliens as they probably actually were, not just the lone monster in in the room or whatever. But these were this was actually a colony of these creatures. Yeah, and and. What what they, you know, their own little society, if you will, and we got to see that they were in in, in that uh, the the building, the, the oh, yeah. atmospheric generator was that the aliens took up residence underneath. They were basically transforming it into their hive, if you will, at that point, because when you got past a certain point, the metal and the the steel and everything else went away, and it became very organic, and and very creepy, and and just you know. Not something that you would have thought you would have seen necessarily. But. The cocooned humans, that was great. Oh, the cocooned humans. Especially when you mixed in the fact that the aliens know, were on that cocoon and they were just hidden yeah. because they, they, they blended in with the There's architecture. There's actually a, a scene in the original Alien where you get to see Skerritt's character, Tom Skerritt's character, the captain mm-hmm. of the Nostromo, in a cut scene from, uh, and this was in an extended version of Alien, you actually see him hooked to the wall with that resinous stuff, that nasty stuff that you then see later on in Aliens. But in the original theatrical release of Alien, you don't see that, obviously. I mean, it's, it's you know, you just assume that's, that that captain character is toast. And, well, he is. I mean, they all were. But anyway, I thought that was really interesting and, and thoroughly gross, of course, because it looked like hard boogers. Yeah. It just looked like hard boogers, well, the whole thing. Well, it's so cool to see this story of them explained a little bit more. And there's a couple um, stereotypes, I feel like, in action movies that this one handled really well. One thing that always drives me crazy is that in movies, you know, the bomb is going off, you know, two minutes, and that two minutes is stretched unrealistically over ten minutes, you know, or somebody's or so running towards the end yeah. of the hall, and it shows them, and they're five feet away, and then 
it cuts back to him, and now she's like ten feet away, and like they just did what they had to do to, to you know to make it. They're not there's not a lot of TLC into making this believable, but suspension of disbelief. Exactly, <laughs> but you know a, a film like this, you know, you would imagine if you were in Ripley's shoes, nothing would would make you would make you go back onto that ship after you know what you've encountered. Oh no. No, oh, no, no, no. But but they have this device where she's woken up 57 years into the right. future, which plays a role. You know, obviously they're going to give her, her her license back if she goes. And so I feel like they did a good job explaining um, and making it believable that, that she would go out. Like I, we, I saw Interstellar, and the ending drove me crazy because it was something like that that, you know, uh, at, the, at the end um, – one of the characters makes this decision that's like, no, there's no way that I believe that you would do that. Right. And I understand the suspension of disbelief, but like with Interstellar, you know, it's Chris Nolan, so his movies are, you know, years researched, and so much goes into it that I'm going to hold you to a higher standard than I would, you know, a, a Michael Bay Cameron. film or, you know, explosion, a Jerry Explosion, Grubheimer. explosion, yeah, exactly. explosion. <laughs> Michael Bay's Hamlet. <laughs> boom, boom. Yeah, that... No, yeah. but that's that's a good point, Jimmy, because it, it seems like with Ripley in Aliens, she wants to firsthand see these aliens destroyed so she can literally sleep at night because yeah. she has nightmares about these aliens because her experience obviously was so traumatic. So I totally believe the fact that she would want to go and see them exterminated, even if it meant that, well, during that mission that she was also destroyed. Yeah, and what does she have to lose, you know? And they no. don't spend... Jonesy. Oh. No, Jonesy stayed behind. That's yeah. He did. Cat. No, I mean, she wouldn't be able to experience him anymore because she could possibly have wound up, you know, yeah. being eaten by aliens. Yeah, and I, I, I listened to this interview with Sigourney Weaver, and they were kind of poking fun at alien resurrection, and she interjected and said, any alien reboot that I'm asked to be a part of, I will, because a big part of why she did it is because, uh, well, partly because how James Cameron portrayed females in this movie, strong which was incredibly strong. You know, Vasquez had a great comeback when Bill Paxton was like, hey, Vasquez, you ever been mistaken for a man? No, have you? Oh! Yeah, cha cha. And I think she was the saddest character for me to see die because she was fighting up until the very end. Oh yeah. Well, you know. I think I think it's it's surprising. All of them were fighting right up until the very end. Not one, with the exception of Burke, who yeah. was a weasel to begin with. Not one of them gave up. You know, even even Gorman, the 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 creepy, the pasty guy, the, the pasty lieutenant. You know, yeah. even he was. One of those, even in the end, he ended up being kind of a badass. So that even was, that most was his, good. Even I've though most of his thirty-eight missions, two. even though most of his drops were simulated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thirty-six simulated. That was great. Two, you, how many combat dropped? Two, including this, this one. one. Yeah, but you it could just, just feel the eyes roll in the entire ship at that point. <laughs> it reminded me of one of those scenes when they're on the spaceship and they're just kind of having that small talk back and forth. It reminds me of one of those like helicopter chats they might have had in Apocalypse Now where they're kind of just, you know, bracing, you know, the calm before the storm. Right. And, I mean. Hicks takes a nap. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Somebody, Somebody wake, wake up, up Hicks. Yeah. <laughs> and see, that was the thing. There are so many lines in this that, that they're they're memorable, number one, but it's it's the way they're delivered and the character who delivers them. Now, granted, most of the characters are very stereotypical. You've got your little Spitfire Latina girl who's just – Raring to go and just could 
chew nails and spit out bullets. Good right? at chin ups. Very good at chin ups. Then you've yeah, very good at chin ups. Uh, and then you've got this this sergeant who's this you know cigar chomping mm-hmm. total you know Carl Weathers type. Yeah, I'm exactly. being a marine. Yeah, exactly. And, and you know you've got the the quiet guy who ends up being the ultimate hero, and that would be Hicks, and or you know, and then you've got Hudson the whiner, and you know just a sprinkling of all the other characters that you would find in any sort of war movie, or you know. Uh, it's almost like an extended buddy film or something mm-hmm. like that, where you've got every possible, you know, every possible combination. They're all in there. Yeah. And yet, there are only a couple that really stand out, I think. And that would probably be, uh, well, Vasquez's character and, and and Hudson, who, Bill Paxton. Yeah. And I'm Hudson, sir. He's Hicks. <laughs> Ben and I touched on this a little bit earlier that uh, Ben was thinking that it would be possible now if this movie was made now and if Hudson's character survived, they'd spin him off in his own movie. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. But my thought is this. How could they have possibly spun him off? I mean, obviously they couldn't from this because he dies. Okay, spoiler, he dies. Everybody just about dies. But needless to say, they couldn't spin him off necessarily because he wouldn't have been the same character he, he there wouldn't have that redeeming death scene at the end if you know i mean because really you wanted him to die i wanted him to die all throughout bill paxton's character yeah, yeah i wanted him to die all throughout until he finally just you know mans up and starts just oh yeah you want some of this too come and get some you yeah know, and right just, after they break yeah. him out of the office yeah i mean and it's just one right after another and and he runs out of bullets and then gets sucked down into the the floor by multiple aliens. So. Down yeah. into the alien pit you go. Yes. Real quick here, if you're just joining us uh, on 90.7, this is Movie Show Theater, and we're talking about aliens. Yes. It's interesting, yeah. though, that you you mentioned our past episodes because this is probably the most logical sequel to the first episode that we ever recorded. Yeah, because oh, James, oh, yeah, yeah. James Cameron. Yeah, that's true. I mean, sequentially, too, I mean... <laughs> Well, Aliens was, was right after yeah, Terminator. Yeah. We and could do kinda... the same thing with Terminator and Terminator 2. They're both incredibly yeah. different. Although, um, it's f- really funny. Between 1984 and 1986, Bill Paxton went from the punk who had three lines to like a leading role. The in punk a... who had more lines. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> yeah, yeah, truly. He really had more lines. Yeah, I, I like it too when a certain director will bring... You know, some of his favorite actors or actresses Back again and, and again and again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. God, Michael Bean. Yeah. So this is one of the this is one of these movies that makes me feel really old because I'll end up saying something like they just don't make movies like this anymore, <laughs> and it's so true because there's a certain pace in this movie where you know there's build up and then there's a little bit of release and then there's more build up and then you know they see Newt flash across you don't know what it is there's gunfire for anybody that was possibly bored you're like okay wait there's something else on this right. you know and and now there's it's so easy to fill in, you know, slow spots with CGI or some, you know, lame plot device. I think that I think the way that this was set up, it was necessary to set it up this way because it isn't just a build up, it is the build up. Yeah. You know? I mean, cuz it's not just it's not a it's it, it's if you were to see the alien in the first 10 minutes and you had never seen the first film ever, it would kind of ruin the whole thing for you. Mhm. Now Having seen the first film, and if you watch the first film, I recommend it highly. Watch the first one because that one sets you up for this one, 
which in turn set you up for the others, of course, blah, 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 blah. But this one makes a great deal more sense that it's such a slow buildup because it's setting up this... Nobody really knows what they're walking into Mm -hmm. except for Ripley. Mm -hmm. She is the only one who knows, and no one is paying attention to her the Mm -hmm. entire time. She keeps saying, I'm telling you, you don't want to see this. You don't want to mess with this. As bad as you think you are, these things are 30 times worse. Mm -hmm. And that slow buildup, there are so many different times when we could have seen the alien. We could have seen something that would have tipped off to just how bad things were. There's so many different, but they don't. They just sort of show it. They yeah. they hint at it. They, it, when you first see the the face hugger, which is just horrifying to think of. Anyway. In the second I one, mean, when it's in the formaldehyde, when or whatever. It's, when it's in the jars, yeah. When they're all in the 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 specimen jars, and I'm thinking to myself, somebody right now, right at this moment, is going to end up with one on their face, but they don't. Mm-hmm. They don't do that. He he he. Cameron waits. And lets the suspense build. You know it's going to be significant. You know something's going to happen with those. But you don't know what it is until later when you find out Burke was going to try and, you know, impregnate Ripley and and Newt with those things. Yeah. It was kind of funny to see those two in the bottle because, you know, from from the viewer perspective, it's kind of like you have the same horrifying memory that Ripley has. It's like, oh, Oh, I remember you guys. Oh, yeah. No kidding. You guys suck. And that the very design of that particular the, the well they're widely known as facehuggers the very design of it is so it's like it's it's so invasive it's like a a rape of of, of horrid it's just ugh. it's yeah. like an HP I mean, Lovecraft creature you take all these horrifying is. things like okay you have partially a spider partially a, I guess it has like a scorpion that has kind of a like a tentacle appendage yeah. so maybe like a little bit of an octopus like everything that you don't like is embodied in one terrifying creature like when it starts jumping and crawling I'm just like Ugh, and I don't get that very yeah. often with movies usually I can watch movies and not really feel that repulsion okay. but with this movie with with those face huggers I, I do because they're that wretched yeah well and there's there's action movies that have the budget that this had that spent the same amount of time and money on these creatures that Stan Winston and James Cameron had the vision for, but they don't have the same effect, obviously, because they're not done right, and it's not the proper execution, you know? Like, the little alien when Newt and Ripley are in the... And I love the the bond that they form, too. It's so awesome, the little, you know, nature versus nurture sort of, you know, scenario. And the fact that she's been able to survive for so long, blah, blah, blah. So they fall asleep. And I didn't pick this up when I was younger, but they fall asleep in the same room that these facehuggers are in. They're like, not. No, they weren't in that room. Because they wake up and the bottle is not over. Yeah, but over. Burke has bought them, brought them in there. Okay, that's Burke what I was thinking. Brought okay. them in there. They're actually in a different part of the med lab. When, okay. Yeah, and that's how Burke actually carried them in. We don't see it, but that we it's insinuated or or hinted at that Burke brought them in, dumped it out, and then locked in the door behind him mm-hmm. because he even took the gun that Ripley had put on the bed and put it outside so that they she couldn't defend themselves. And that so, was like right after they had that conversation. It was just right after they had that conversation, yeah. So. The, but this movie just, it was nonstop the way that they were constantly in these situations that like, how are you going to make it out? They wait, She wakes up and 
you know, Newt and, and Ripley are, are, you know, they can't get out. They It's bulletproof. It's chairproof. You know, it's and chairproof. It's, it's definitely chairproof. <laughs> oh, yes, yes. <laughs> but, yeah, and then when they finally, you know, they shoot the glass and Michael Bean dives in and it's just like such an incredible, incredible action movie. I can't, and then there's good action movies that come out now, but... Not not on a level like this. See, I'm saying that already. They don't make them like they used to. Well, they do. They do make them. They're just different. All right. They're just made differently. They're just. It's it's on a, you know. The I mean, the 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 thing I don't like about the horror films that come out now is they don't. They use suspense and they use. Uh, uh, the, uh, we can go into this found footage thing if you want to at some point. But I they don't oh, scare me as much as they foreshadowing. Do. All right. It, oh no! Please tell me we're not. Oh, we are. Oh, we'll oh, save it. Geez. All right. So, anyway, uh, but they don't scare me as much as, say, the Alien movies did. And and the fact of the matter is, it, it just, I don't know. There's just, I, I know what's supposed to be more real. I know blah, blah, blah. But, again, uh, they just don't have the same punch. Now, as far as the action movies go, I think we got great action movies now. I love the new superhero movies that are coming out. I think that they're full of outstanding action and fight scenes and and. and you know, I, I think the fight scenes in this are good. The one that's the the the, the best one is the one when they're under under again they're under that uh, uh, atmospheric treatment facility or whatever, and they're just seeing the aliens for the first time. I mean, the full grown aliens for the first time, and they're not allowed to use their guns because they're afraid they're going to punch a hole in the cooling system that and then a thermonuclear yeah. and ends up not making any difference. They did it anyway mm-hmm. with the explosion of the of of the 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 ship that crashes and everything else. And so it, again, it made no difference whether they used their guns or not, but the fact that they can't use their guns leaves them with a couple of flamethrowers, a shotgun, which is not armor piercing for close and, encounters, for close encounters and a couple of handguns. But then of course, Vasquez and the other guy, I can't, was it Dietrich? That was his name. Dietrich. Yeah. Was tall blonde. Vasquez and Dietrich, of course, go against rules, plug their guns in. And these guns that they're carrying are outstanding. I want to say Dietrich was the tall blonde, but that's all right. Never mind. It doesn't matter. But the two of them together were just— Dietrich was a was the woman. Was the woman? Oh, okay. They do all have right, similar—I yeah. mean, yeah. they have similar names, and they right. don't get a lot of uh, talking they, no, time. No, they don't, really. Yeah. None of them do. I mean, you know, except for, of course, Vasquez and Hudson Even Frost and... has one good line when uh, the clips are being collected, and he's yeah. talking about, what are we going to use, harsh language? Yeah. <laughs> I, that was, like, one of my favorite lines out of all of them, coming from, uh, you know, almost a, a scratch— character but you mentioned found footage one of the reasons that specific scene you're mentioning Stu, was so effective was because you saw the perspective of the mounted cameras not found footage obviously but i think a movie like this works well when you blend in like that uh, almost first person perspective with the stylized shots oh, you're, so you're talking about the cameras the action. on their helmets yeah. yeah 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 well that that's what that's how you do it, pretty That's much. That's what made that 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 part of the film scary is because you're not there. You're seeing what's going on through the these cameras that one by one start blinking out mm-hmm. to nothing but uh, you know static, and, and you don't know what's going on. You're kind of left to your imagination, it, which is exactly mo- more horrifying than what Absolutely. anybody could what Absolutely anybody could make. Is. Yeah, I I do agree with Ben that uh, I would have liked to see a a, a grosser Burke death. It seems yeah. like it seems like in action movies and and other movies too, and this still carries on that the the worse a bad guy acts and like the more heinous crimes he, he commits, yeah. the the more excited you are to see him die, and the more like you've prepared yourself, 
you know, to see this death. I watched this Korean horror film called I Saw the Devil, and it was this man that was just raping and murdering these innocent women, and when you finally get him, you're like, the tables have turned. You're like, torture him, make him suffer. And especially when Burke locked him out of the room, you know, and they kept chasing. Right. It's like, okay, this I need I need more than two seconds. But if you think about it, if you think back to the to this entire film, there wasn't a whole lot of gore or at all. I mean, there, I don't remember seeing any real guts and gore the entire time. I, I I mean, there's a lot of hinted at stuff. There's a couple of blood splashes. Synthetic here and there. man gore. Yeah. <laughs> Synthetic. Android, Android gore. Yeah, well, yeah. The, the that's Android, like the, that's that was the, the goriest most. part of the whole thing. Yeah. And you don't even look at it as being gory because, number one, his the whole insides are white. Now, you see something just shooting white liquid everywhere. <laughs> I'm sorry. I You're going to have to cut that. that part because I was I was going to say <laughs> I was going to say something. But you, you actually made a really great point, Stu, because what – Probably the worst thing you see isn't necessarily gore. It's the uh, the acidic blood of the aliens splattering onto people, and maybe right, their skin right, melting. Right, right, right. And their well, reaction. Yeah, oh, when yeah, uh, and there's still no blood. No, there's still no blood. But that one scene where the guy fires, uh, he he's getting into the uh, the APV right there at the end of that big battle under the the atmospheric generator, and he gets blood splashed on him. And you see the smoke coming off of him as he's ah, ah. and it sets fire to the inside of the APV with with his with his flamethrower, and, and so you don't again. But again, you know that the guy's dead. You know that his face is melting off, but you really don't see it. It's more, which is why I think this was so tastefully done in that regard. The 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 strongest parts of this whole entire movie, when it comes to when it comes to why this was probably a rated R, was the was the language more than anything else you know it yeah there's suspenseful scenes and there's some there's you know of course the when bishop is torn into that's pretty gruesome too but there's not really that much gore there's no sex to speak of at all and uh, i mean seriously it is the language i mean mm-hmm. again going back to what you know what's his, the the one guy said what are we going to use harsh language you know i mean that's what it was too so Hudson Hudson had his fair share of that. Yeah. Oh God. Well, I think he got like... he, he he took the he took the share of that. Yeah. Well, I feel like if this movie came out now, they would tone down the language because it's kind of being more and more obvious that an R rating is like for an action film, an R rating is box office poison. It now, really is. Yeah. Now there's movies that come out like Gone Girl that was rated R and right. dramas and these thrillers and dramas. Yes, they're always going to be rated R, but you know, ever since this comic book resurgence, uh, really from when the Spider-Mans first came out, yeah, you know, you could true. have easily made uh, Terminator 2 PG-13. You could have made this movie PG-13. Um, but, you know, it's kind of like taking a stand and, and, and holding your ground with, with your product. Yeah. Um, and I think it really I'd shines I'd love to through. see a rated R uh, comic book film. I'd well, love wasn't to see it. Watchmen was... Yes, Watchmen. You'd was have to our, go yeah. back to like Blade. Yeah, but again, I, I, I'd rather. But I know what you're saying, you Stu, because saying? because recently it's been like, yeah, I I still find most of these comic book movies that are coming out, most recently from Marvel Studios, to be highly entertaining. But I'd like them to take one of their grittier characters, make it dark. Yeah, you know, go, make like go a, somewhere really dark. Make a really really dark Wolverine movie. I mean, they had darker elements in the uh, second Wolverine film, but. They did. They uh, you could tell that they still 
probably held back because they were keeping PG-13 in mind. And there was one scene in um, the 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 first of the newer X-Men where Wolverine does drop the F-bomb. <laughs> Yeah, they show well, PG up thirteen, I think, are allowed two F words. Right, right, and, but it just cracked me up. I mean, that was awesome. So, but anyway, um, yeah, the, I mean, really, the only reason why it was R, I think, is the language. And and again, I think you, you hit it on the no- nose there, Jimmy. I think that more films like this don't come out with that type of language because it, it is so hard for them to bring quote-unquote adults out to that type of film yeah. you know anymore so well the, the the hours of of featurettes and documentaries and, and dvd features that i've watched it seems like you know movie making in in the 70s obviously and and even in the 80s and even you know earlier in the 90s it was just a simpler day i mean yes you wanted to make money but there wasn't as much you know the the directors now have less uh, artistic control than they used to and you know, contracts are stricter, and I mean, obviously, you want to make money, but um, you know that dictates to how this film is going to be written. You know, if if a character is going to die and they think they might, you know, it doesn't do well with tester audiences, then they're going to take it back and they're going to have that character not die because that's so crucial. Well, I think I think that they do have less artistic control if they, and I think you hit it on the head if they want to make money. But I think that this is an era of independent film that. Really, just you can if you've got you know just some relatively inexpensive equipment and a little time on your hands, you could put a movie together in in about two or three weeks and publish it yourself and put it out on the internet on your own. I mean, and and no one could say a, a word to you about it. Right. Well, with all and, the film festivals, you know the buzzword. Oh that yeah. Ten years ago there was five, and now there's thousands. Oh yeah, truly. But but you know what better forum though for something like that than than the internet? So, but <clears throat> I don't know. One one exception to the rule, because I remember um, seeing this because it was so recent. Kingsman, uh, which I had no idea about. I didn't even know it was rated R. Um, is that the one with uh, Colin Firth? Yes. yes. Yeah. It it's actually has, uh, and I won't ruin it for anyone since it's such a recent movie, yeah. has one of the most violent scenes I've ever seen in it. Really? And it, let's see, worldwide has made 270, almost $277 million. So I think really, if you make a violent film, it goes back to the basics of how do you market it. Mm-hmm. Isn't you know? isn't the bad guy in that? Isn't it a lisping Samuel, Samuel L. Jackson? Jackson? And it is amazing. Oh wow! God, he just like wakes up and signs signs contracts. Oh jeez. Well, he's he wakes up in a pool of money. Yeah. Exactly. You know, if you've seen Guardians of the Galaxy and Ronan wakes up and you know the blood of his enemies, Samuel L. Jackson just wakes up in, in, in money, in money. Oh, a pool of money. Hilarious. So this is just a couple numbers I wanted to throw out, just uh, giving an idea of what we're talking about. I don't know whether or not this is adjusted for inflation, but the budget for Aliens was seventeen to eighteen million. Holy, and which is incredible. Titanic, I think, was well. I don't remember what Titanic was, but or I know DiCaprio like got paid twenty million for that movie. Yeah, <laughs> so he rich. This, he rich. So uh, yeah, budget seventy to eighteen million. The box office, and I don't know if this is domestic or foreign, but one hundred and thirty-one. To 183 million. So for that time, that was an absolute smash. Oh yeah. So we'll uh, contrast that with the Avengers. Uh, their budget was 220 million. A few dollars. 
And their takeaway, their box office was one and a half billion dollars. <laughs> but I mean, I think that's you know that, that that's is... the movie that has like started like challenged all oh, of the comic yeah, book truly, films. Truly, yeah, and, oh, and wow. studios that and is and I I really liked Avengers for sure. And yeah. I used to be, you know, when we did Captain America a couple weeks ago, I it was a time in my life where I was really bitter and real crotchety old man. Like I'm not gonna watch these movies. It's all green screen and muckety muck. <laughs> Post-production bullcrap, and it and it is, but he's it, just bitter. Boo! But it's not going anywhere. But I, I I watched it, didn't I? Yeah. And I watched Man of Steel. You're just and I bitter. Sh- wrapped the TV with my cane. Wow. <sighs> That's not the Superman that I like. Uh. <laughs> wow. Where's bitter. Nuclear Man? <laughs> Unbelievable. Yeah, Ben's movie is Superman 4, Quest for Peace. I'm sorry, oh, I had to no. spill the beans there. No. How is about never? No. Well, I mean, maybe if we want to do, like, no. horribly, horribly, horrible disappointments, then yes. Yeah. You know what? I'm surprised that since today's St. Patrick's Day, with a little better planning, we probably could have uh, done one of the horrible Leprechaun movies. Yeah. Oh, poor Warwick Davis. Because <laughs> yeah. they didn't just go to the hood. They went back to the hood. Which is pretty pretty great. I mean, well, the Leprechaun, I mean, give him credit. He gets around. I mean, outer space, Las Vegas, the hood. I mean, he's an entrepreneur, man. He's True. just getting his brand out there, letting and the people know. Death, and those death Speaking scenes of outer are space, can wonderful. we get back to aliens? Yeah, please? okay. So I read this, <laughs> I read this today. Uh, th- so we talked last week a little bit about Alien 5, which right. is now happening. There's Prometheus. There is... There's now Prometheus 2. Right. And then there's a separate Alien 5, which is directed by the guy that just... Uh, Chappie just came out, right? And he did District Nine, which is a really that's interesting a really immigration interesting. Uh, set yeah, satirical film. Really, He's going to yeah, do District a, Ten too. Yeah, well, he should supposedly. And really. he did Elysium, which didn't do so well, but visually that was a it weird looks one. stunning. That was a different one. Yeah. You, did you watch it? Oh yeah, yeah, oh yeah. I, it, Worth watching though. Uh, yeah, check it out. Definitely. Okay. Yeah, it's it's you know, in this era of movies that show a dystopian future, it was definitely it definitely fits that bill. Definitely. Cool. So cool. it's interesting. So um, Sigourney Weaver was just interviewed uh, by Digital Spy, a movie review, uh, right. m- movie news, whatever. Um, she gave she they they asked how she felt about being a sci-fi icon. She says, "I don't feel like being a sci-fi icon, despite you know Alien, Ghostbusters, Avatar." Jeez, yeah. Um, so the, this journalist was trying to get a uh, sound bite out of her about the new one. She said, and this is in quotes, let's just put it this way. We found the host, and it's been embedded. Be- before adding, it's gestated, which is awesome. I'm in. I'm in. I'm uh. in. And the reason that she, was, that she was so into this franchise and that she believes so much about it is because Ripley could have been a man, and it would have been a fine film. Or half naked. I mean, they could have gone that direction, and that's that's not me even being sarcastic. That's me being realistic because that's the unfortunate part of heroines in film. A lot of times they're just uh, thinly veiled damsels in distress. We talked about this during the Captain America podcast where, like, we all totally respect the fact that, you know, Scarlett Johansson as Black Widow, I mean, she's fully covered, and she's a beautiful woman with a beautiful body. But she just goes in and, and wrecks everything and yeah. can pretty much take down anyone. Well, you know, yeah. They they had that Ripley's much. Ripley's the same way. Anyone Ripley's the same way. They yeah. they have that quick scene where she's in her underwear. Which yes, it's a gorgeous girl. She's she's I I have a a 
long-standing crush with Sigourney Weaver, but that's a different story. Okay. So it shows her in her underwear, which I guess it's kind of over-sexualized, but I think it's just to remind you. I don't think it's over-sexualized. I I think it's just to remind you, yes, she is a woman. In case you forgot, this is the woman that's going to save the day, and you know she's going to. Oh, sure. No. She's the woman that's going to save the day, and and we all know that. Vasquez is about not as a woman as it gets. Speaking of James Cameron using actors and actresses over and over and over again, she was actually, Vasquez's character was actually in Titanic as well. Yeah, I read that. Yep, she she played the little Irish woman with the two little beautiful Irish children. Mm-hmm. Who she, as the ship is sinking, she's stroking their heads and sending them off to the land of Nod, where they all die. Yeah, that's really so sad. Very, very oh sad. yay! Yeah. So there's a there's like a a few years in the '80s where there was so many of these you know recurring uh, co-stars like Bill Paxton mm-hmm. and Lance Hendrickson in Near Dark. Yep. Which was directed by Catherine Bigelow, um, the woman who took all of James Cameron's money. <laughs> well, not all. Not all of it, obviously. Right after not, their divorce, he re-released money. it into uh, right. re-released Avatar. Oh yeah, which is awesome. Yep. Which, by the way, he did an undersea undersea exploration documentary. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So he did this one recently. I'm going to have to find it because it's so interesting. Um, He built this craft, you know, and he loves sci-fi, obviously, but he views underwater deep ocean as, like, more outer space than our outer space because these are, you know, specimens and specimens and creatures. There are places on this planet that we just have not been yet and we just can't get to yet and... I think it's cool that he's actually trying to get there. I yeah. Mean, that, that, who knows? We might find something down there that is truly creepier than what we can come up with in our imagination. And hopefully right. it's not Aquaman. Please let it not be Aquaman. Let it not be Aquaman. Unless it's the new Jason Momoa. Aquaman. Uh, I'll wait. I'm, I'm still, the Holding, jury's out on that one yeah, for me. Yeah. I mean, it one. could be cool, but I mean, it, to me, like, people get so hyped up and it's just a picture. Yeah. Let's just see what the movie's like before we start, you know, riots at the local KFC. Truth. So he made this this most recent movie he made. He he created this vessel that was going to go deeper than, you know, any vessel ever before. And through this journey that he had, they ended up finding 67 new specimens that had never been new seen species? by mankind before. Yeah. That's awesome. Completely new species. That's really cool. Oh, we should have done species. No. Uh, Talk uh, about know, over-sexualization. Yeah, no kidding. There are so many movies. That, I mean, that I, my opinion, Species is an alien knockoff. Mm-hmm. It is. It's just a ripoff of aliens. But that's I believe right. even, if I remember correctly, even the font on the mm-hmm. cover of mm-hmm. the video, now DVD, whatever you want to call it, yep. is even a ripoff. It goes yep. that far. It does go that far. And I don't think they're even trying to hide it. They're, no. I think they're just hoping that people think it's part of the alien saga and they don't do any research. So any time that space is involved, I think maybe that's part of my, my fascination because I, I really like – although um, we're always going to disagree on Event Horizon. Yeah. Maybe I mean, we should just yeah. watch it together with some beer. Maybe we can yeah. come to an agreement. Yeah, well, I think we I, could probably come to an agreement. Because it's been years I think since that, I saw you know, it. But that's, a, that's another one of those where, where if you – I'm not in love with that film, but there's some really genuinely creepy things going on Yes. There. Very much so. And, We've talked about it multiple times. Yeah. It's, it's almost like, okay, you have, okay, the abandoned spaceship, which is a little bit alien. Then you have this 
almost vortex to hell, a little bit of Hellraiser. Hellraiser, kind of yeah. the, some some of like a, a shining haunted tone going mm-hmm. on there. So I just like it because it combines all those things. A lot of people go way overboard with their praise for it. I mean, I'd, at the most, I'd probably give it somewhere between a, a B minus and B. Talk about a truly gory film, too. Now, yeah, that is a gory film. Well, it and that deserves came out. every R rating that it got. I mean, it was just. There are some really disturbing images in that film. I know it. That came out pretty either right before or right after um, Sphere. Yeah, and they're kind of similar plots. I mean, you know, sometimes this happens. You know, there was like Deep Impact and Armageddon, and right, 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 right. Cube, Cube, Uh, Cube. He was a little more claustrophobic, but I've never. Cube is a fantastic movie. I've never seen a movie like Cube. No, nobody. No, that's that's the Cell. Oh, the Cell. That's right. I'm sorry. Yeah, Yeah, it's been forever since I've seen Cube, but I'm probably gonna watch it again. But when I think of like the aesthetic. it reminds me of Alien. I mean, here's the... It has, it has like, the phenomenal. same claustrophobic feel as mm-hmm. the first Alien, Just or I, I can just call it Alien, just yeah, trying yeah. to be specific here. Yeah. yeah. Well... So, I don't know. I can't really uh, decide which one I like, which Alien I like better, one or two. You don't really have to. That's not really the point of what we're I doing think here the, tonight. Well, no. But... I think, the bo- I think the, both of those movies are so completely different. I mean, I, and we kind of touched on this. I don't know if we did it in our last last broadcast or not, but um, when you brought up that Aliens was going to be the, your pick for this week, um, and you were like, yeah, it's a great horror film where you thought the first one was more of a sci-fi. I, and I said, well, I think it's kind of reversed that. The first one's a great horror film, and it's a haunted house in space sort of thing where you can't get out, you're trapped inside, there's nowhere to go. Whereas, you know, this one's truly science fiction with the, the I mean, shoot, you got space marines. You yeah. got marines in space and spaceships and, and guns and everything else and advanced technology or for that time. It, it's kind of laughable now. If you look back at some of the technology, it's so much smaller now. That, I mean, the cameras that they were wearing on the sides of their helmets were the size of Coke cans yeah. in this film. And I was thinking to myself, wow, and that was cutting-edge technology for the time, or yeah. supposed cutting-edge technology. But, um, it, it, again, I think that these two films are completely different in the feel in a lot of ways. But then, of course, you come back to the same the same antagonist. You come back to this this invasive creature that has one thing on its mind, which is to procreate and make other little aliens – and to, to basically, and I don't even know that the aliens themselves, I don't think they actually eat the people that no. they kill. I think they just kill them, and then that's that, you know? Yeah. I think it would be even more gruesome or even more horrifying if if they did some, they, they did eat them. Now, they use them for as a means to gestate their children. Now, that's in and of itself is horrible. Mm-hmm. The and you do get a taste of that with the chest bursting of the the one woman who's stuck in snot on the wall, but um, yeah, I, I guess that is pretty scary. But I don't know. I, I think that yeah, I don't well, know where I, I was going. Well, yeah. I like how they really they really think that plot through because if they use the humans as a source of hosting or even as a source of like nutrient for eating. First of all, that's a very limited food source. Absolutely. But yeah, so, you know, we talked about the whole movie is so incredibly suspenseful. The first action scene isn't till about an hour and five minutes. However, 
from that first action scene until the absolute ending, it is relentless. If you think about it, that's a James Cameron signature. Oh, yeah. True Lies and... Titanic. Yeah. The first hour and 20 minutes of Titanic is all this buildup. And then the last hour or whatever it is, is the the ship sinking and it's full of adventure and action. Oh, no. that, That was actually history. That actually that that wasn't an original screenplay. You're lying. You're hilarious. You know that. You're absolutely right, though. Slide There's whistle. many ways to tell that Beep. story, and James Cameron went with that route. That was a slide whistle for it, Jimmy's joke. It didn't deserve one. No, it really didn't. <laughs> well, how about anyway. the how about the trombone? <laughs> but no, yeah, that's absolutely true. And he's kind of built this reputation when James Cameron comes out with a film. There's a certain essence you know is going to be there. You're either going to have, you know, an hour and a half of exposition building up to something outrageous, or you're going to be bored. <laughs> it's yeah. just that simple. Yeah. <laughs> Next week is going to be Ben's choice. What are we doing? What are we doing, Ben? Blair Witch Project. Oh, and God. usually, and here's the thing, not to give no, too much away. Come on. Usually we pick movies that we like. Uh, I want to destroy Blair Witch Project, to be honest. (laughs) Which is why I respect your integrity, because you're picking an important, like, cultural, culturally relevant film. It is important, but it's like like disco. Disco was relevant at the time it came out, but it's horrible. But it's—disco is very—it's what was really interesting, too, is that disco and funk have, like, so many of the same roots— and almost the, all these same instruments, well, except the one same is era. great and one is not so great. Well, it was basically the same era when they both came around. I mean, let's be honest. And back to Blair Witch, really, Ben? Yep. You're good. Yeah. Exciting. This week we're going to really? test Stu's patience. He's oh. going to call me on Monday and be like, "I'm not doing it. I'm out." I, yeah, I just can't. I just can't. I, you know, we did the bad movie episode, and I, my intestinal fortitude was. So tested by Battlefield Earth, I don't know if I can do Blair Witch. Do you have any ideas for for bad movies? Speaking who of, hey uh, hey Blair who Witch? picked who picked Battlefield Earth? I know that was me, <laughs> and I want I if I were if we were gonna do a bad movie episode, it was going to be the worst movie humanly possible. I think we can top it though. And we're not talking about Grandma Ethel Goes Nutsoid. That was the worst <laughs> film I've ever seen. It was this grandma in an asylum that just puked on guards. And That sounds like a really it good film. It was 90 minutes. It was, not, it was not great. Not great. Okay, fine. Like Toxic Avenger, that'd be an interesting one. Uh, yeah, but that's even got a campy following now. I mean, that's true. even got like a, a true following somewhere out there. But I don't know. All right, Blair Witch. All right, onward, upward, found footage, people snotting in a camera. Yeah. Oh, here's a little tidbit. Netflix is coming up with the Daredevil series. Yeah. Well, I saw the trailer for it. I saw the trailer for it. It actually looks pretty good. I'm glad they're not dropping that. There's been some bad uh, comic book movies, and I'm glad that, you know, one doesn't come out and they're like, well, we tried that, didn't work. Yeah, but we didn't do it right. Yeah, uh, you know what? And I didn't hate Ben Affleck as Daredevil. I just think the whole thing was just poorly done. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, he did just fine as that that particular that superhero. But again, it's it's one of those things where um, revisiting it is going to be neat. And the fact that they're going to do it as a uh, a television series, that's going to lend it lend it a little more depth. Mm-hmm. It was just far too shallow, just far too shallow as, as a movie. And I don't know. I just think that this should be just that much more interesting. Hopefully. Yeah. 
Hopefully. We'll see. It's really it's really interesting, this challenge that, you know, Netflix came up with their original series, and then Amazon came out with that trans with Jeffrey Tambor, and then now, you know, uh, Hulu, I'm sure, is going to come out with something you if they what? haven't and, already. And this is the this is the era. This is when things are going to change. This is when TV is going to change forever. Mm-hmm. It's going to be more... I, I cannot wait for this. I've been waiting for this for years. I cannot wait for it to be an a la carte. Basically, mm-hmm. you pick only what you want. Yeah. And you get to build your own package. I know for years they couldn't do it because of, of advertising and advertising rights and everything else. But you know what? We're, we're at the point where places like Netflix, if they keep putting shows on like House of Cards and – and uh, some of the other original programming that they do that ends up being so good. No commercials there. I'm willing to pay mm-hmm. $8, $9 a month for the streaming rights to yeah. thousands of television shows and and movies. I mean, hey, I, I think that that's more than worth it, and it's a heck of a lot cheaper than DirecTV. Yeah. It's such, a, it's such an outrageous idea to release a whole season of a show. Like, I think the... Uh, Arrested Development when they brought it to Netflix. That was the first. That was a great. That was the idea. first show to do it. I Unfortunately, know. I was not a big fan of that season at all. I, you know, but... I, it, well, it was. They were trying to recapture that magic. They were yeah. trying to catch that lightning in a bottle again, and I don't think they were able to. I mean, the... they had a layoff too. I mean, that that can affect you know a series is okay. This was canned and now we're coming back you know and, and see, it's probably yeah, too late that's what that's what i was saying that they, they had they had a feel there it was like hey we're in the groove we're in the groove mm-hmm. they're doing a great job and then they came back to netflix and while it wasn't bad it just wasn't the same yeah yeah but the impact was there oh absolutely and obviously they yeah. saw that it works obviously yeah. and i mean netflix I, and when house of cards came out and i love house of cards netflix you know they they realized that they compile all of their demographics and their information and they know what America watches at what time who we who we want to watch what directors we like what time slots we like and they manufactured this show House of Cards and they didn't have tester audiences because they knew that it was going to work because yeah. this is information that we made from you the viewer from you the viewer indeed and it's interesting because in my house I mean it's probably happening right now in my house we have 150 channels we watch maybe five of those channels reliably and on those five channels are the the shows that we like to watch and we'll we'll even DVR those shows just so we can skip past the commercials we won't watch them when they're on we'll record them and then skip past the commercials mm-hmm. so that we're watching this nugget of of what we want to see and honestly if there's nothing on those 150 channels otherwise We'll switch over to Netflix. I'd rather watch an old movie. We watched The Odd Couple, the original mm-hmm. Odd Couple, the other night again. Why? Because this is a darn good movie, and there was nothing else on in the world. And, you know, it was late. We just didn't, you know, we could have been reading, I guess, or something else, and I we do that anyway. But still, we we flipped on this old movie. We were thoroughly entertained, and then we just turned off the television and went to bed because mm-hmm. it was late. But, you know. I was just going to say that, you know, it's it's great to be able to pick and choose because I'm not much of a TV person. So usually I have to really, really like the pilot episode or first episode. And if I don't, I'm not going to give that TV series probably much of a chance because mm-hmm. I have limited time, too. So being able to just go in and 
watch one episode, not even, you know, if it's an hour-long series or, like, 90 minutes, like, the episodes of Sherlock, Mm -hmm. you can break them up at your own convenience, and you don't have to see crappy Budweiser commercials that knock all the beers that you love. Exactly. (laughs) And, And it puts so much power in the viewer's hands, too. You know, it's like... Like House of Cards, I love House of Cards, and this, you know, date X, date time that it's on, I'm available to watch it. I don't know what I'm going to be doing next week, and so you know, you've you've hooked me, but I also have a life. So to be able to release a whole season and be like, do it. You watch can binge it when watch you can. it, watch it when you want, watch it in bits and pieces. That, thanks Netflix. No, no kidding, thanks Netflix. So final thoughts on Aliens, Benjamin. Yeah, I think Stu touched on a really good point. It's not like you're necessarily, when you're looking at Alien versus Aliens, which usually that's the comparison that's that's brought up multiple times. It's not like you're comparing apples to apples. They're part of the same saga, but I appreciate both films for what they are. The first one is just more like a crew that's out of its element that's being terrorized by one alien. Obviously, what you have to do with the next one is, okay, what if there are aliens? And I thought that the camaraderie with the I, I you could call them space marines intergalactic marines was authentic and that well, with their interplay was great um my favorite character was probably hudson because he's such uh wise butt smart cracking firecracker <laughs> <laughs> but no that's that's usually what i go for i mean i'm like a i'm a sucker for action films and sci-fi and it, it was a great blend of, of both of those things aliens was so if you're you know new to films that combine those elements which there are still some coming out today that are that are decent but usually not on that scale of building up characters um explaining everything thoroughly having it be over two hours because you know you get the standard 90 minute cuts these days so i would just say go scoop that one up everyone right now right now anyway aliens uh yeah it was first rated our film I saw with my dad in the theater, and so this obviously holds a special place for me. Uh, they, my my friends and I, as I was growing up and in college and everything else, we would constantly come back to the Hudson lines, Game over, man! Game over! And every other epic line, it's a dry heat, you know? And <laughs> it's on my shirt. It's, yes, it's on Ben's shirt right now, which is a little disturbing that he just happened to have that on his shirt, but... Um, but again, it's 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 a great movie that brings back a lot of good memories for me of, of of that time. And I was, you know, just shoot, I was just a kid when it came out. I was just in high school, so. But it's a lot of fun, and I can't wait to watch the new one, Aliens Five. I'm in. I'm Whether in. they have the same feel or not, I'm in. AVP, not really. It was all right. Yeah. So didn't see the second one. <laughs> I didn't either. So that's what it comes down to for me, too. Like Stu said, The Terminator is actually the first rated R movie I ever saw and horrified me. Um, But it it does have this effect on you that, you know, stays with you if you're a a movie type of person. But, you know, whether the first one's better, whether the second one's better, whatever, it was kind of fun to wrestle in my mind. But when it's all said and done, it's the franchise, it's the feel, it's the tone that these films had and and the fact that it's uh you don't you don't get something like this anymore makes it all the more special for me so um the sets were incredible to see how much they did with how little they had you know to use fog as a means of cutting down on budget costs cuz your visibility is very low um the guns they used looked that one of the main machine gun they used looked exactly like the gun in Halo 
there's been so many influences from this movie, you know, and the last 10 minutes of this film when she d- tapes those guns together. It's epic. It is epic and and there's so many false starts and and you know it it plays with your mind and your emotions and and it's just it's it's incredible and you know there there's still movies like this like Stu said I need to quit being a crotchety old man about it and just wake up and smell the 90s so next week it seems as though we're gonna be talking about cover your stew the Blair Witch Project he's thrilled look at him oh he's smiling from ear to ear look at that alright so until next Tuesday I'm Jimmy Malone I'm Stuart Randolph I'm Ben Snowden this has been Movie Show Theater